Hey, everybody. Good to see you. Glad to be here. All right. Let me take a second to pray. We're going to jump right in. Lord, we love you, uh, and it is good to be in your presence. It is good to be in the presence of other saints gathered here to worship. And God, I just ask that you would come and meet with us during this time, uh, that we would find our hearts truly focused on you, our minds would be centered on you, Lord, and whatever it is that you have for us in these next few minutes here, help us not to miss it. So Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done in this room, even as it is in heaven. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right, so here's the thing. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't let on quite as much as I wanted to. It bothered me so much that I didn't get to preach last week. It had been so many, like I was, had missed seeing you guys and preaching to live human beings. <laughs> and so, and then Sharon got to preach first when we came back, and I was so jealous. So um, how, how do I put this? Um, I am so eager to preach to live human beings. Can you guys like be extra live human beings? <laughs> Can, you know what I mean? Like I'm cool with preaching to a camera. I, I am. But man, it's so much better to see smiling faces. And by the way, I'm assuming you're all smiling right now. You all get the benefit of the doubt the whole time. In my mind, you're smiling the whole way and nodding and saying amen. amen. <laughs> this would make me real happy. And a woot. Okay, seriously, I hope you keep it going. I understand that I am just desperately begging you to, <laughs> to give me feedback during the sermon, even if I don't earn it. But I'm shameless now. I don't, I don't have anything to lose. I don't care. I, I'm about to turn 40. I'm reading from a large print Bible. I mean, who cares, you know? I'm not trying to impress anybody. This, just, this is who we are. This is life. Um, all right, we're going to be in John chapter 15. We're going to look at the first eight verses if you want to find that. If not, you can follow along on the screen behind us as we get there. And it is not an exaggeration at all to say that these are eight of the most significant and important verses in all of Scripture. It's also not an exaggeration to say we're barely going to scratch the surface in the few minutes that we have here together, but we're going to highlight a few things. We're going to take a really, really simple approach. And taking a simple approach makes sense, especially when you're studying John. So if you ever take beginner's Greek, okay, which... <laughs> don't. It's so hard. <laughs> but, but do, do. If you're good at language acquisition, do. If you ever take beginner's Greek, and, I've, and that's about, really, it's functionally about all I've taken is beginner's Greek. Um, they always start you off with the writings of John because John's writing style was very simple. It was very direct, very clear. He used plain statements to communicate profound ideas. And by the way, that is the best way to communicate profound ideas, through the simplest possible statements. And John was a genius at it. That's why he's, he's my favorite author um, in Scripture. His style and approach is just incredible. And he just makes very simple statements and then leaves us to sort of deal with the profundity. And that's what we're going to wrestle together to do a little bit. Um, and what we're going to do, as after I read these eight verses, we're just going to highlight a couple of these statements that he made, clear, direct statements. And we're going to ask ourselves two Two questions. The first question is going to be, do you really believe these words? Really? Really? And you might push back on that and say, come on, man. Uh, you've known me. Uh, I'm, I'm a Christian. Of course I believe the words of Jesus. I have, I have my internal fate I have put in the hands of Jesus. I believe the words of Jesus. And I mean no criticism in this when I say that's not always super apparent. Because here's the thing, and I don't mean that against you, I mean that in reality, belief is not so much a binary thing that you either you do or you don't do. It's not, it's on a scale, it's on a spectrum. So let me ask you, you can work on the feedback thing. Um, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. 
Could you believe in Jesus a lot more? Could you believe in Jesus a lot less? Yeah, you didn't really, I don't want to admit that, but yes, yes. So do I believe in Jesus? Yes. Could I believe in him a lot less than I do? I could. Could I believe in him a lot more than I do? I could. Because belief's not binary. It's just not. It's not a, it exists on a spectrum. One of the wisest men in all the scripture was a desperate father with a desperate. He goes, here's the thing. I in desperation and said, can you help? And he says, I can do anything for those who believe. And he goes, here's the thing. I do believe. I also don't believe. So will you help me with that? I believe, help my unbelief. Man, that was a wise man. And the Lord did help with his unbelief. So we're going to ask ourselves, do we really believe these statements? Of course we believe the words of Jesus, but are we giving proper authority to the words of Christ in our lives? And how can we crank that up a little bit higher? And then the second question we're going to ask, I'm going to leave you to answer that question on your own, is if you do believe the words of Jesus that we're looking at, then what's that mean for you? And how might that change the trajectory that you're on or the course that you've chosen? All right, that's what we are going to do. Let's look at these first eight verses. I'm going to read all eight of them here together now. These are all the words of Jesus. The Lord says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they'll produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch, and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings a couple of these statements to my Father. All right, we're going to highlight a couple of these statements. Here's the first. Jesus said, we're going to reflect on this for a moment. Jesus said, if you remain in me, if, now that big conditional if, is, that's a big one, If you remain in me, I will remain in you. If you don't move away from me, I will never move away from you. If you don't pull away from me, I'll never pull away. We're doing this. We're lockstep together, and I'll I'll never break ranks. I'll never move away from you if you choose to stay lockstep with me. Now, um... I, I think George Mueller said this about 100 years ago, but I don't, maybe he wasn't the first. I just know it wasn't me. But here's the idea. He said, you can think of our connection to God. We can think of that having two parts, okay? And we can think of those two parts as being our relationship with God and our fellowship with God. Our relationship with God is like the fundamental nature of how we relate to him and who we are to him and who he is to us. So God is your father and you are his child. And he is your savior and you are the redeemed. This is the basic fundamental nature of your relationship. That's one connection point to him. And you can envision that connection point to him. Picture like some massive, like indestructible, inseverable cable that connects you to him. It ain't breaking, period. Nothing 
can separate that. As Jesus said, no one is going to pluck my children out of my hands, period. That relationship, your connection to him is secure. It is strong. It's not going away. You're his child. That's not subject to change. That's your relationship with him. But there's that second connection with him, and that's our fellowship with him, or our communion with him, our intimacy with him, our closeness with him. And don't picture like a massive indestructible cable for that connection. Picture like a string of dental floss between you and him for that connection. It can be severed. It has to be protected and guarded and maintained. If you don't choose to walk with him in an ongoing basis, that fellowship will be severed. If you choose not to walk in submission to the Lord with any of his teachings, it will sever that ongoing fellowship with him, that intimacy with him, the day-to-day relationship with him. And if you think about it, that's how like every relationship works. That's, that's how every relationship works. So just for example, um, let's, say I, let's say I do something really stupid, all right? Um, actually, you know what? That's not, that's not fun for me. Um, let's have somebody else do something. I would say Sharon did something stupid, but that's not a believable premise. Um, Jason Mullen, you, you volunteer. Jason Mullen, let's say Jason did something stupid. Jason, is that a believable premise? Amanda, <laughs> Mrs. Mullen, is that a believable premise? It's a believable premise. Okay, so, so let's say Jason did something stupid, and we'll, we'll, give him some, we'll take it easy on you. Let's say that just on your way out this morning, it's sort of a cold, icky morning. Did you guys notice that? It's good job, by the way, because everything about the weather says stay home today. And here you are, so well done. Uh, but let's say on the way out, for some reason, you left the front door open, and right now there's cold air just pouring into your house, okay? Now, here's the thing. If you did that dumb thing, Amanda, she's still your bride, you know? That is not going to sever their relationship. Their relationship is a lot stronger than that. Y'all, they got kids. They've been through a lot more than that. You want to come up? He's done dumber stuff than that. Yeah, he's done way dumber stuff than that. You want to make a list? You want to come up? We can set aside a few minutes. He's done dumber stuff than that. Here's the thing. What God has put together, let no man separate. Let no man put asunder. These two, they're committed to one another. Their relationship is strong. It can endure that and a whole lot more. But just because the relationship will remain unbroken because of that, that doesn't mean their fellowship is going to be exactly the same this afternoon when they go home. They go have dinner. Maybe something more than just the air will be cold. All right. <laughs> maybe there's going to be, as they shiver over lunch, maybe there'll be a cold shoulder going Jason's way. Their fellowship, their interaction is going to be hindered until he goes about, however you do it, cleaning up the mess that you made and working to restore the fragile, sometimes fellowship. Okay. Relationship and fellowship. Here's what the Lord says. Your relationship with me is strong. It is secure. It is not going anywhere. Your fellowship with me has to be guarded, protected, maintained. Here's what he's saying. Every day, you and me, man, every day, we're together. Every day, we're walking this out. I will never walk away from you. Don't walk away from me. Day in and day out, we'll walk this out together. If you remain in me, I will remain in you. So I'm asking, do you believe this? Do you believe it? Could you believe it more? And if so, what does that mean for you? If you cranked that belief all the way up to 11, how would that change the course of the trajectory that you're on? Let's look at a second statement from Jesus. Simple, clear, profound. He said, if you remain in me, 
you'll bear fruit. Actually, it says you'll produce lots of fruit, much fruit, tons of it, so much fruit, if you remain in me. And very clearly in a couple places, he says it in this text. If you don't, you won't exist on a spectrum. It's not, period. I said earlier, like, belief is not a binary thing. It exists on a spectrum. It's not black or white. It's not yes or no. This statement is. It is black and white. It is yes or no. It is binary. If you remain in me, you will bear fruit and lots of it. And if you don't, you won't, period, no matter how hard you work, no matter who you are. And the image that he uses, it's a really stark one. He gives the image of severed branches. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, right? He says, sometimes the branches get cut off. Now, if you walked up to a big fruit tree and there was a huge branch on the ground, it had been chopped off and it's laying there dead on the ground, and you come back a week later and you find that in the past week, that branch on the ground has started bearing fruit, you're going to be stunned. You're, you're not going to believe it, actually. You're taking pictures. You're calling the news. You're looking for the hoax because we know the idea of a dead branch severed from the tree on the ground bearing any fruit at all whatsoever is an absolutely ridiculous notion, and that's the image that Jesus uses. If you remain in me, you're going to bear lots of fruit. If you're a severed branch, you're a severed branch. You're not going to bear any fruit, period. It couldn't be more absolute, couldn't be any clearer. Now, think about me. Um, I am, I'm, I'm like a goal-oriented dude. Sharon is too. So she and I, we, we almost feed off of each other. We, we love the idea of having a goal out in front of us, a desired future, an outcome that we want to work toward, and then setting some steps, and then like marching and working hard to get to that goal that we've put out in front of us. It, like, it really fuels us. It's part of how we just do life, Okay. That was one of the things, that reality, that made 2020 even a little trickier for us. Because it's really hard to envision a future when you have no idea what's going to be happening two days from now, much less two weeks from now, much less two months from now, a year from now. That's ridiculous. Who knows? And we found ourselves really struggling throughout 2020 because so much of just how we face the day is we envision and we go after. And the envisioning part was just, I have no idea what's happening. There's so much unrest socially, politically. There's a pandemic. Everything's up in the air. Who knows what tomorrow holds, much less the goal we want to put out in front of us. And that fuzziness made it difficult. We felt we really strained in that. And at the end of the year, we do this every year. We take a couple of days. We spend time in prayer, and we set aside extra time for she and I to just discuss. And while we were, you know, to look back and to look ahead, and we look back on 2020, we acknowledge that and said, that was really hard. We said, all right, well, let's do what we do for 21. You know, we're looking ahead for 21. And we're like, we're in the same boat. I have no idea. What is going to happen? <laughs> like, Two days? Who knows? Two weeks? Two, mo- two months from now is a joke, all right? If you tell me you know what's going to be going on two, uh, two months from now, I will try not to laugh right in your face, but I will probably fail in the effort. Like, who knows? And we found ourselves really struggling with that. Well, how do we, how do we set our priorities? And so we went, we went apart to think and to pray, and we got together and really processed this. And in, that, in the process of prayer, you know what the Lord made clear to both Sharon and me separately and then together? Was that for all of the uncertainty and for all the who knows what, this is what is clear to us. We want our lives to bear fruit for the kingdom, period. That's, it. That's what I want. That's what I want. And the thing is, two months from now, three I don't know what fruitfulness will look like. And if the fruitfulness is there, I won't even know how to measure it. I don't know. 
I don't know what kind of fruit it's going to be. I don't know. But I know for a fact that if I remain in him, I will bear fruit and lots of it. And if I don't, I won't. I don't know what kind of fruit it is. I don't know how to measure it. I don't know. But if I remain in him, I will bear fruit. If Sharon remains in him, she will bear fruit. If you remain in him, you will bear fruit. And if we don't, we won't. Period. Again, Jesus saying, come on, day to day, every day, step by step, you and me, we're doing this. We're doing this together. And you will bear fruit. So do you believe that? How much do you believe that? And what if you believed that a lot more? And if you did believe that a lot more, what does that mean for you? How might that change the path that you're on or the route that you've chosen? Okay. Here's a third statement from Jesus. Jesus said, so simple, so clear, so absolute. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, um, we're going to think about this for a minute, but uh, I have, to the best of my memory, I have in my whole life seen three visions, like vision, like Bible-style vision visions, right? Like all the way real visions, three times that I remember. Um, all three of them have been in the last four years. Um, here's the first of the four. I'll share with you, and you've been around, you probably heard it before. I still think it bears repeating. This is the image. It's me out on open waters, all by myself, in a little cell, my thoughts and my, my, and what is clear to me, what my eyes focus on right away, and it's, it was the Lord directing my thoughts and my, my eyes in that moment. What stands out to me immediately is that on my little sailboat out there all by myself, my sails are down. I got one little sail, and it's down. Now, I know one thing about sailing. One, I know you need a sail to sail. That's all I know. <laughs> I don't, if you're going to go anywhere, it's going to be because you put your sail up and the wind does the work. That's all I know. I see this picture, and the sails are down and put away. And what I'm doing, I'm sitting on the back of the little boat, and I'm reaching over the side of the boat, putting my hands in the water, and frantically paddling, trying to move the boat forward. I mean, just sweat pouring, gasping, frantically paddling, and it's not working at all because sailboats need sails. And then the Lord spoke to me clear as a bell, and he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And in that very second, I will never forget it, I was standing in the back of the sanctuary waiting to walk up here and preach, and it did not go well because I was a wreck. I felt the weight of the Holy Spirit convicting me, and it wasn't as if I suddenly had a list, but suddenly my eyes were open and I could see all these ways, all these hundreds of ways in virtually every aspect of my life where I absolutely was not trusting the Lord. Instead, I was putting my trust in myself. And problem after problem, I look to myself to be the solution. If I work harder, if I think harder, if I focus better, if I drive more, I'm going to work my way through this. It's this merit-based thing. I'm going to push harder, and that's going to make this thing move. And I just, 
the, the Lord made it so clear to me, it, and my, it just seemed so ridiculous in the moment that my sales were down and clearly had been down. Side note, this happens while I'm in the back of this room and it's time for me to get up and preach. <laughs> and I get up here and sit on the stool and I am sobbing uncontrollably and I can't talk when I cry. I'm up here with bitter beer face and it's really disgusting and I can't even make a sound. And it's after about three minutes of awkward silence, my mom was in the room and I was really worried for her that she was worried for me. I managed to say, mom, I'm okay. Then I cried for about eight more minutes and then I started the sermon. It was tough to salvage. I'm not sure that we did anyway. Um, but the Lord made that so very clear. Aaron, you think for the world that you're the answer, and all that means is you don't trust me. Because apart from me, you can't do anything. Period. And I understand the world's not set up like this. We have a very merit-based society. You know, you work hard, you push hard, and in a lot of cases, that's exactly, you know, the wise counsel we would give to one another. Maybe you need to dig in and work harder and push harder, and a lot of times that's what we need to do in life. But in the kingdom of God, I want to be really clear. Apart from him, if you want to bear fruit, like fruit that lack kingdom fruit, things that actually matters beyond the moment that we're trapped in, you have to remain in him. Because apart from him, you can do nothing. I remember, um, this is a little over a year ago now. It was at the, the tail end of my sabbatical. So moving into 2020, I was returning from what had been a three-month sabbatical. And I was all fired up, man. And I was rested and I had lots of ideas and zeal. And I was renewed. I felt awesome. And as I come back to work, and I, was, I grew very concerned that I was going to come back to work and I was going to be so fired up, I was going to run so hard that in no time I was going to burn myself out, thereby completely defeating the purpose of taking a sabbatical. And then as soon as I thought of that, I immediately became concerned that I might let the pendulum swing too far the other way for fear that I would burn myself out and come back not hot enough, not fast enough, and thereby, to some extent, defeat the purpose of the rest and renewal that came from sabbatical. And I felt stuck. And I was like, Lord, I don't know how to move back. I don't know how to re-enter here. And the, this was my prayer again and again for a couple of weeks. I prayed the same prayer throughout the day, every day. Lord, will you please just give me a speed limit and I'll stick to it. If it's 35, I'll go 35. If it's 70, I'll go 70. I don't even care what the number is. Give me the number and I will stick to it. And it was like hitting a wall. It was like hitting a wall. And I was like, Lord, well, I just want to do what you want me to do. Why don't you just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And then the Lord reminded me of this image of me on the waters, with my sails down. And it, spoke, it seemed so clear in my heart at that moment, he was saying, Aaron, I'm not going to give you a speed limit so that you don't have to remain in me day in and day out. Aaron, put your sails up. And when the wind blows, you'll go. And when the wind blows fast, you'll go fast. And when the wind is still, Aaron, you'll have to learn this, but when the wind is still, You'll be still, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you believe that? How much do you believe that? What would change if you believed it a lot more? That apart from remaining in him, you can actually do nothing. Davian, come on. 
Um, and then the second question we're going to ask for each is if you believe that, what does that mean for you? If you believe the words of Jesus, if you lend the authority to the words of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, the Savior of your soul, if you give authority to his words, believing that if you remain in him, he'll remain in you, believing that if we remain in him, we'll bear lots of fruit, and if we don't, we'll bear none, believing that apart from him, we can do nothing, and by nothing, he means nothing. If you believe that, what does that mean for you? How does that change the trajectory that you're on? And I said I was going to leave it to you to answer the question, but I can't help myself. I'm going to answer that question. (laughs) You know what it means? It means, and hear me, it means that remaining in him every single day Hey, maintaining not just your relationship because you know you're good and you got your fire insurance, but maintaining your fellowship with the King of Kings is the number one priority, period, every single day. The most important thing you can do today, period, is remain connected to Him. To keep in step with Him. To walk in obedient submission to him. And the most important thing you can do tomorrow is to remain in him. And the next day is to remain in him. And every day that ends in why, the number one goal always is to remain in him. And if you do, you will bear so much fruit. And I don't know what that will look like. I don't know what kind of fruit it will be. I just know that it will be beautiful. It will be pleasing to the Lord. And your life will be used for his glory. And isn't that everything? Isn't that everything? If we believe the words of Jesus in these verses, then we cannot help but draw one conclusion. Nothing matters more than remaining in him. Nothing. And so if you believed that in full, how might things change? What might shift? How might your priorities get realigned? How might you redirect some of your effort from one thing to another? We're going to have Selah as we do every week, a couple of minutes to reflect and pray.